What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 202 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Viola Ava from flowseo.com. And what a cool conversation it was, folks. I really enjoyed our conversation. Viola does a great job of describing the steps in which she took to get to where she's at today as an online entrepreneur, a digital nomad who happened to stumble into the online entrepreneurship game, fumbled her way through, and then found her niche and where she fits in best. It was a great conversation for me to hear in my entrepreneurial evolution, my online journey. She just drops a lot of value bombs on me specifically as she kind of not only talks about her path and journey, which I could completely relate to, but then she takes a moment to hear what I have to say about my journey and takes me through a few different ways to think about it, which I really appreciate. So thank you, Viola. I have no doubt that if you're struggling with your online entrepreneurship venture right now or you want to get into the online entrepreneurship game, Viola is somebody who's taking a holistic approach to SEO, marrying an SEO's perspective on how to organically grow your online presence with the brand's perspective of how they want to grow with their message and how they see themselves as a brand. Again, just such a cool lady, such a cool episode. I have no doubt you'll get a lot out of it. And if you're a first-time listener, please pull out that phone, hit subscribe onto whatever podcast player you're listening to Misfits and Rejects on. If you like this episode and you think somebody you know could get something out of Viola's story or maybe even use her service, please share it with that person. Viola and I would sure appreciate that. And if you feel so inclined to rate us, we always appreciate a five-star rating and leaving a comment is also appreciated. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Viola Ava from flowseo.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Viola Eva from flowseo.com. Viola, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You are calling in from Berlin, Germany, right? That is absolutely correct. It's 7 p.m. at night for me. It is a beautiful sky and sunshine, and the sun is going to be up until 10. So it's a beautiful city right now, despite the weird circumstances. I love it. I love that. Yeah, it's the the evenings in the summertime that just get me, where you can be outside with the beautiful sun, still warm out. Everyone's obviously super happy and loving life. And you you're from Germany originally, but you are a digital nomad, and we've met actually in Thailand. But you're back in Germany. Did you choose to be back in Germany, or did you just happen to get quarantined there? I chose to be back in Germany already a year ago. So, yeah, I did grow up in Germany. I went to university here. I initially started working here, and then at some point the travel bug, you know, like hit me, and I I started being a proper digital nomad in the sense that I just had one backpack and 15 kilos, and I saw uh, Central and South America and then lived in Asia quite a bit, have been in Bali for two years. But then I started feeling a bit restless, And already um, last year, I decided that I want to post up in Europe again. And kind of like the three cities that came to my mind were Amsterdam, Barcelona, and Berlin. And it just more that I have friends here in Berlin. I lived here before. My community is here. And so it made more sense for me to come to Berlin over the other two cities just because the community was already here. So I came back last year, got a a yearly, uh, one-year lease to give it a try. And actually, in two weeks, I'm going to move into a permanent 
permanent house again. So I, I'm still a world traveler and I've been out and about quite a lot, obviously not right now. Um, but I love the feeling of having the base again. Yeah, this comes up a little bit and I'd like to talk a little bit more about it. What was it about the digital nomad lifestyle that just got too unstable for you? Was there one specific thing or was it just the time in your life where it's time to kind of settle and, and plan some roots somewhere? The thing is, in many ways, I've been a classical digital nomad and then in other ways also not. Because when I was in Bali, I was living there two years and I just considered myself basically living abroad and, you know, Bali being my home. Um, and then when I did the more like proper, you know, be there for two weeks, be there for a month, et cetera, at some point I started feeling kind of like homeless, but home in the sense of like my emotional home, I felt kind of, I felt lost. So that was, was an emotional, um, feeling to it. And then also on the practicality is I really started to be over going Airbnb and looking at apartments and finding supermarkets and all this stuff. I was just like, yeah. I kind of want to be somewhere where I know where all of this stuff is. And I don't want my house to kick me out and reject me. I just want to know it's there and waiting for me and I can enter at any point. Yeah, no, a lot of people talk about that. I haven't come across that emotion yet. Uh, I'm sure it'll come at some point, but uh, I still really enjoy the Airbnb lifestyle. I think last year, um, I did a yearly review for 2019. And even though I lived in Berlin, I think I've been to 15 countries. I don't want to lie, but something like that. So, I mean, having the base here and living here and having that as my nest and something to, to go back to, I still went. I was um, in Cape Town last year. I was in the U.S. I was in Thailand. So I still get out and about and around quite a bit because I love traveling and I love meeting new people and new communities and new countries. I just like, you know, having having that nest in my back pocket that I can return to. So when you say 15 countries, that's 15 in one year? Yeah, that was last year. <laughs> that's awesome. How many have you uh, <laughs> compiled in your life of being a digital nomad and traveling? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I can now say, so with last year going to South Africa, now I've hit all continents except Antarctica. So I can tell you that much. Um and then Europe, I know pretty well. Yeah, I actually don't, even though I've been to so many countries last year, I don't feel that well traveled. There's still so much of the world to explore and to see. So I don't really know. I, I, I need to check the count. No, I feel the same. So much more to see. When you did hit the road originally after, it sounds like you kind of got the travel bug after uni, were you straight out the gate developing online enterprises, online businesses, or were you just traveling a bit and then kind of discovered that you had a skill set that you could utilize to make money online? So I was always drawn to traveling and going abroad during university. Um, but for some reason, I was so disorganized in university and also quite depressed and didn't really get my stuff organized. It never really happened as part of that. And then actually after university, I picked up my first job, which was here in Berlin. And then my partner at the time decided that he wants to go on a world journey for a year and basically asked me if, if, if I wanted to come and join him. Which for me was a weird time because I was in a university a really long time. And then I just kind of like, you know, got a job and got a, you know, mature lifestyle or something like that. And then basically leaving that again to a world journey was a bit of a weird decision. But I just felt so called because I felt like I missed it so much before and I missed the opportunity before so that I decided to take the leap. And then originally we we're kind of thinking to do more like a backpacking type. Let's see the world like 
let's look at sites, let meet meet some shamans, see some countries, uh, go hiking, go on some adventures. And then I was already in the startup entrepreneurship community in Berlin and going to events and hosting events. And then basically it just happened that a few weeks before we left, um, we learned about digital nomads. And at the time, Amazon FBA, um, fulfillment by Amazon, e-commerce with Amazon. And then so basically instead of this being a world journey one year, uh, we then pretty quickly decided this is going to be a journey of us um, becoming online entrepreneurs. And at the time, so this was 2015, at the time I read a travel blog from a German girl and she wrote like, yeah, I make um, 10K a month. And I was like, ah, oh, easy. So we, we start the Amazon FBA, we make 10K a month in like three or four months and then just going to stay an endless traveler. Uh, it obviously didn't work out like, like that. <laughs> And it, it took a lot longer to get there, and it turned out completely different than what I originally set out. Um, but that was the start. This is beautiful. Can we go in depth on this? Because I love that you just kind of discovered it on a whim, like this wasn't your plan at all. And then you sounds like you dove headfirst into the Amazon FBA. or yeah. And then how did it not work out in the way you had thought? So here's the thing. So I've been drawn to entrepreneurship and business since my studies. I have a bachelor in economics and my minor was kind of like business administration. And I was volunteering a lot in my studies and I learned about business and leadership. So I was already very much in the startup space. I was running events, um, kind of like creative problem solving events for startups. So I already knew that I liked that environment, but I didn't know that there was such a thing as a digital nomad. And also, to be honest, it didn't even occur to me to be self-employed, like I have one uncle that has his own business, but it's not really a thing. Like most German people and parents and the parents of my friends, everyone was employed. Like I didn't even, becoming an entrepreneur or self-employed, it wasn't even on my radar. And it was only when I discovered digital nomads and what they do that I even started to comprehend that this was an option. And then Amazon FBA, yeah, we basically, we followed all the courses. This was just when Amazon FBA was coming. It was already successful in the U.S. and just came to Germany. So we watched some courses about what product to buy, you know, get it from Alibaba, ship it and all this stuff. And then we did the complete opposite. So instead of getting like a household item from Alibaba and selling it on Amazon Germany, um, we decided to sell a handmade ceramic cup from Bogota, from a ceramic factory just north of Bogota, Colombia, uh, that we personally visited and we loved the cup and it was an item that was breakable and that needed wrapping and it was a gift item that you give for Valentine's or your mother for Mother's Day, but it was not a household, you know, buy a 10 at the time Amazon item. So we listened to all the courses, ignored all the advice and brought out this first product <laughs> And it just could never, it, it would rank, we would give away them for free to generate sales so that the algorithm places you on page one. And then as soon as we are on page one, it dropped again because no one wants to buy, you know, 25 bucks for two cups on Amazon. And what I realized today is this probably should have been on Etsy. Like this is a classic Etsy kind of like high price gift, nice looking object it wasn't, if people type in mug into Amazon, they want to buy the white kind of like, you know, classic mug for the office for three bucks. They don't want to pay 25 bucks for a gift. But I didn't understand this at the time. I didn't understand 
that Amazon sells commodities and not necessarily the boutique like cute stuff. Um, but actually we've been on point because if I go through Berlin now and I go through the cool hipster stores and they all have ceramic goods, they have exactly that type of cup that we were selling. So I think at the time it would have been better to maybe approach cafes or small stores and sell to them. But it, with the price point and everything, it just didn't make sense for Amazon. Yeah. You maybe were even too early to the market. Um, and yeah, like, you well, I mean, this, this is a very favorable way to look at it. I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you ever find your footing with Amazon or did you just completely scrap it and, and pivot somewhere other direction? Totally scrapped it. Um, launched three more project products. Uh, one was a handmade soap, then a leather bag. And then finally, after all these three projects failed and, you know, we lost a bunch of money in buying the inventory. Then finally, we did what you were meant to do, which is buying a thing from Alibaba. And we had like a neoprene waterproof waste bag. And that was selling kind of okay, I would say. Um but we were just both so uninspired by it. Like there was no alignment with the product or anything like that. So that we scrapped it. Um, and then, yeah, lost, lost a bunch of money. I think in the end it was like a process of, of like a year. But then if you buy the inventory, you know, ship it and then, you know, sell it cheap or sell it for, or give it away for free, et cetera. So it was kind of an expensive learning at the time when we've been on a traveling budget. But in the end, I think it was the best learning um, because it did what it did is it made me start going to co-working spaces. It made me start to become part of digital nomad communities and entrepreneurial events. It taught me about branding and marketing and funnels in a way that I don't think I would have learned if I would have stayed employed. So in a weird way, a lot of the things that I do now are result of of this failure even though this business um financially didn't work out at all mm -hmm. where'd you go next well this is kind of like in the middle of this I, I i ended up in bali and then a few things happened firstly at the time i was one of the few people doing amazon in the co-working space so then the owner asked me to give a presentation on this and i gave a talk called uh, actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on the show. So yeah. let's say how oh, I messed up my Amazon FBA business. <laughs> um, so I gave that talk and this kind of like put me on the radar with a lot of people. So that happened. And then the other thing happened is I just realized I'm super broke. Like I don't, I don't have any kind of like money left. I'm, you know, one year later, there's no 10 K a month, nowhere to be seen. And they're not going to happen. Uh, which basically then I started, freelancing and, you know, helping people with translations, helping people with FBA, help, helping content writers, and then also picked up content writing and SEO for a friend. And then from there, basically our corporation exploded into an SEO agency and ultimately led me to where I'm at today with my own business with Flow SEO. It's so cool. Yeah. You, you're well-versed in everything you just spoke about. Like you've given it a lot of thought and you've had your hands in a lot of different pies. Um, with the SEO thing, is this something that you're, you were passionate about as well? Cause you said something earlier, like about alignment and obviously everyone's like, Oh, follow your passion and do this. And, um, how do you feel about that? I mean, are you aligned with SEO? Is this something that just, you wake up and excited to do every single day? So the short answer is yes. And the long answer is this, um, SEO aligns with me because it has many properties that I enjoy. I enjoy that it's analytical. I enjoy that it's technical. I enjoy that I can spend a lot of time in, in spreadsheets. 
I like that it's strategic um, in, in its approach. I also like that it, for example, doesn't involve design or, uh, you know, making something look pretty, et cetera. It's not really part of it as much. Um, so these are all properties that I enjoy. I probably could also become a very happy Google ads consultant or Facebook ads consultant. So in that sense, it might be a bit of a coincidence that I ended up with SEO, but everything about SEO, like building website structure, creating content calendars, mapping that out. These are all activities that are really, really fun for me. And then the other thing is a lot of SEOs are not so happy about client work, but actually for me, um, I think I'm like an extroverted introvert. For me, having the client calls is actually a lot of fun. And what I'm looking right now is I'm looking for new SEO consultants for Flow SEO, and I'm kind of looking for the purple squirrel that likes clients, that that likes spreadsheets too. And I'm starting to realize that this is actually quite rare. Um, but I've always liked talking with clients and, you know, discussing their marketing strategy, um, get, getting insights, helping them optimize the website. So... Even though, yeah, I'm inherently shy and introverted, I learn to sell and I just, yeah, I, I enjoy the client conversation. And to be honest, I think for me, it's probably better that I'm in SEO because SEO in a way is still a slow game. Um, whilst I think with Google ads and Facebook ads, you have to stay more on the top of your game every single day and check the details every single day. And SEO is a bit different in the sense that you're writing content now to rank in a few months, right? So these are the property that make it that I really enjoy SEO. But in general, I just like marketing. I like psychology. I like marketing. I like I like um, understanding the human mind. I like persuasion, et cetera. But I like it from an analytical perspective. And SEO is very rewarding in that sense. Hmm. Real quick, what is a purple squirrel? Oh, actually, I thought this was an English term. Yeah, because an American person said this to me. <laughs> Um, so, uh, every, someone who can do everything like, uh, okay. like a unicorn. Okay. Ah, actually, so it's interesting. I, I thought I picked up some like in native English, like trivia, but maybe I didn't. <laughs> and maybe I've been out of the country too long and this is a common thing used. I don't know. Um, what about, I mean, this is cool that you like to do what you, you're doing and that you obviously are very talented at what you do. Do you ever have ambitions to start something completely different? Like just go and like, oh, I really have always wanted to do this and I'm going to go sp- ah, and start it. Totally. Like, you know, so the thing is I – clients find me through public speaking and events and content marketing. So I don't have any cold outreach campaigns running. It's all – it's all branding, multiple touch points, et cetera. This is how people find me. But what I totally dream of is using my expertise in SEO and content marketing and funnels for a product or service that is not digital marketing, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm still, I think, yeah, th- this is for me, it's like a logical step. I work with a lot of software companies and there's a lot of products that I really enjoy and um I definitely, I've been toying, especially with the corona crisis and me being home so much, I've been toying with the idea, like, what would it be partnering with someone again and kind of bring my SEO and marketing knowledge to the table? What would would it take? What kind of job or project would it take for me to go in-house again and work for someone and work on something? And 
I think I'm pretty value and mission driven. It's obviously because Pavlov's, you know, pyramid of needs, like now I'm financially pretty stable and I can do the things that I want to do and I can buy the things that I want to do. So I'm out of the grind of worrying about, you know, my, my income. So now it's more, I'm wondering, what do I choose to contribute to? What part of projects and communities do I want to be a part of? And the first step was for me to cut out some clients that, that didn't feel 100% good and focus on the clients and, and their products that I'm very confident in and that I enjoy. And then, yeah, maybe, I mean, life is long, you know, I'm 32, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for me to put my marketing skills to use for a project that I feel really passionate about. So yeah, maybe give us some examples. Um, what, what is close to your heart? What kind of clients are you working with? You're like, this is rad, what you're getting behind, or some of the ideas that you just kind of alluded to, like a product or service that you really could stand behind and feel like you're delivering something that's a part of your mission. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of kind of like social and green businesses that that do like wonderful things. Um, I have a few friends who do like great education on like global um, food supply chains and how you can source locally and all this stuff. That I think is something that is very interesting. There's some very interesting green e-commerce businesses. There's some great personal development companies. Um, so so that is that is stuff that definitely inspires me and those are communities that I like. And then in terms of a day-to-day, -day, like right now, Flow SEO clients are kind of a mix. They're all digital businesses. So they're software companies, e-commerce e or e-learning. And this is also because this is also because I like working with the people who run that type of businesses. So most of the clients are medium big in the sense they're maybe between like one and 15 million yearly revenue, which still means they're usually small-ish teams, which means there's still a lot of flexibility. There's still a lot of impact to be had. There's great opportunity to shape their campaigns and the things that they do and stuff actually getting implemented. So I enjoy that part of it. But also if someone works in a company like that and it's already a digital product, they also understand that SEO is crucial. They understand that their website is crucial. So there's a lot of discussions that you don't have to have. And it's more about how do we do this than why are we doing this? And so this is, I enjoy basically working with fellow technical marketers and data-driven people. And we just seem to have a very similar mindset when it comes to being analytical about our marketing. And this is how it came that these are the clients I mainly work with. No, it seems very in line with a lot of stuff you have on your website where you talk about mindful marketing and holistic SEO. It's like terms you don't normally see you know, um, on a website like yours. So I'm trying to tap into more of that side of you, which, you know, what, what do you passion about yoga meditation How are you that side of things into helping people with their SEO? Well, so, okay. So holistic SEO and mindful marketing. So this has a few, there's different layers to it. Um, so firstly, it's that it's selecting the project that I want to work for. I think that is crucial. Like being mindful. I think, so I'm an economist. So I think there's a few ways in which you can impact the world, which is how you invest money, how you spend money and how you spend your time. So firstly, I'm choosing to spend my time with projects, you know, that I enjoy. So that's maybe like the macro level on a micro level or in a more practical level. Um, holistic SEO for me actually means integrating three parts. It means what do the brands stand for? What do they want to communicate? What do they like to talk about? That's the first part. The second part is what are people looking for? And the third part is 
what does Google favor? So this is my very simple model of holistic SEO is SEOs tend to overemphasize what people are looking for in keyword research and search volume. And then brands tend to ignore search volume or tend to ignore how page one looks like. So that would be the first part is we need to align branding and brand voice and the things that they stand for with data and metrics. And that's already a discussion that sometimes SEOs don't like to have, but that that intersection is something that I enjoy. But then also beneath that, I think holistic SEO, holistic marketing, and and holistic agency means this is an agency that actually contributes to my clients, but also to my life and the life of my team members. Because agency business can be a very, you know, stressful, notification heavy, urgent, everything is important, stressful business. Um, and I very consciously follow, I follow the guys from Basecamp, the fathers from Basecamp, and they have a book called, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. And I follow that philosophy very much, which is like, how can we enable deep work? How can we enable flow, which is, you know, being our best selves and showing the best performance. And this comes from focus, but this also comes from eliminating distractions. So actually, the quality of interaction that we have in in my team and the way we work is really, really crucial for me. And the, the fact that we're, you know, stable, that everyone has been with me for a really long time, both team members and clients, and that's a mutually benefiting relationship that I find really, really important. And sometimes we tend to forget that if we only look at spreadsheets and retainers and revenue growth, et cetera. And, and I think looking at the relational side of things is very important as well. No, and it sounds like it works. I mean, that intuition that you're adding into your, your client work, obviously into your hiring and firing of your team, how big is your team? So we're five that I kind of consist, consider like my, my core team. And then there's maybe like two or three people who help out um, on a regular basis but still like less than 10 probably. And that's like that by choice, by the way. This is this is not a lack of ambition or coincidence. It's like that by choice. No, yeah, it sounds like you're using you know, what you just described to really build a very solid company that navigates with the right sort of ideals and yeah, intuition. I keep on going back to that word because this is something I'm struggling with, which is I genuinely feel like I'm a very intuitive person, yet when I apply it to my businesses that I've tried to start, it hasn't gotten me anywhere, <laughs> you know? And um, I'm really digging deep and peeling back the layers of what's gone wrong over the last five years of the enterprises I've started because it's like the conclusion that I've come to just in the last like week or so, it's like how important SEO is, how important like marketing through you know facebook ads and google ads is like starting from the like if you build it they come premise right that's fucked that's fucked that that will never right. work you know like you really have to for me i have to dig into things that i don't like i don't want to do and i don't have the capital to hire somebody else to do for me so it's like all right dude right like time to embrace it time to just surrender to it and like get down and dirty and start learning this shit you know what what do you mean by creating like a intuition based business and and what part of that did you are you saying you're choosing your product and service based on what your heart desires or what do you mean by that what's your what's your process or what have you reflected about the last few years i think it's kind of relatable in some ways i don't know why you it sounded like you chose your first uh, product on fulfillment by amazon the same way it's like oh you really wanted to help this person in Colombia that you really like their product and you led with that kind of like intuitive sort of soul soul like searching sort of like let's make 
this person's life better and hopefully we can make a million dollars with it as well. Where it's right. like, you know, my, my podcast, Misfits and Rejects, was an idea I've had for I had for years and then just through navigating my life, I intuitively found the podcast platform to broadcast the message on. It was never meant to be a podcast. It just came to me and every cell in my body said, this is the right platform for Misfits and Rejects to give it to the world. Yet it's still something that I have to market. I genuinely thought that by doing 190 interviews would have generated a lot more listeners than I have. Right. And it's right. like, I'm coming to a point where it's like, dude, you don't have this, the listenership that you thought you would at this point in the game. So, and I've been, I've completely neglected the SEO and marketing side of things. Like I post once a week on Facebook, I post once a week on Instagram and in, in my intuition was always like, people will share it. People are going to like your message because you love these people so much that it has to come across in a way that people want to share it. That's not true. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. And I'm not, I, I mean, I don't mean to sound harsh, <laughs> but it's like, it's kind of where I'm coming to at this moment in time where it's like, you have to almost in this lovely way you described it mindfully and holistically cram this shit down people's throat to get them to, to listen, you know? <laughs> Hmm. Oh man, you 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 said a lot of things there that 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 we can unpack and review. So please, by all means. Um. Firstly, so for example, with 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 Colombia and the cups. So what the, there drove me is you know inspiration and something that felt good and something that I wanted to do. But basically, what I what I neglected in that is basic business and marketing principles. And basically, I didn't have I had an intuition for what I liked, but I didn't have an intuition for how the platform Amazon works. Which I think now I have a better understanding of Amazon, YouTube. I have a better understanding what kind of content would work and what kind of um, platform. But at the time, I, I had an intuition about the cup, but I didn't have an intuition about the platform and the audience and anything like that. So I think that was, you can say I was naive or stupid, or I just think it was a lack of experience. Um, so I think it does with everything that you did and everything that you try, I think you do get a better understanding. And even every SEO can tell you is you do all the spreadsheet, you do all the keyword research, you do in the, all the analysis. But firstly, you do your analysis based on a hunch or a gut feeling or intuition on what you think that will work. And then secondly, it still sometimes turns out different than you thought it would. There's still going to be some pieces that rank phenomenally, you know, after two weeks and some who don't. And it's not so clear why that is. But the more websites you look at, the the more content pieces you look at, you're basically your intuition gets backed up by data and then you have a better sense on what's going to work or not work. So that's the first thing is I think. Yeah, building an intuition for marketing and business and following best practices. That's one thing. The other thing is I think it's completely normal because I was at a conference last year for technical founders and bootstrap to bootstrap software um, companies. And they're all technical founders, which means they're good at building products and they might be scratching their own itch. Uh, um, and, you know, they have a good idea. But marketing a product is a completely different skill set. Like they spend years, you know, learning to code, build product and all this stuff. And they're really, really good at this. And now all of a sudden you're a founder and CEO. And now you have to learn marketing and sales. No matter what business you have, whether you're a healer, I was on the phone with a therapist before. And, and you know, now he, he's a therapist and now he needs to find clients. He needs to learn marketing. Whether you have an e-commerce product or whether you have a service, at some point as a founder, 
you have to learn marketing and sales. And, and, and this can be, it's like a second job. It's like a second education, something that you were not prepped. And, um, took me three years to get a somewhat understanding of marketing and three years as a bachelor degree. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I just don't think you learn it overnight. Um, so I think that's the harsh reality of becoming a founder. You have to make your peace with marketing and sales. Um, thirdly, um, I listened to a great podcast last week, which I think you might like. Um, it's, it's, it's on a, it's on a show called reality riffing. Um, and the, the podcast is called the femme boss uh, so don't be scared away by the title because you're a guy, because obviously they call it like that because they have a female audience, but it's basically a podcast on building a business for intuitive, feeling oriented, value driven people. And, and basically it's important to understand that doing marketing online and doing marketing digitally, you're still building relationships with people. And it's different from what we know about building relationship in person, but it's also not and I think making peace with marketing and sales and understanding it doesn't have to be a capitalistic, brutal thing. And we don't have to shove people, you know, stuff people's stones throat and we don't have to scam them and we don't have to take them over. I think there's a lot of like mindset work to do about that as well. And then if you actually get the experience and, you know, you get your second degree in marketing by just, you know, working on your website, working on your podcast, doing all the stuff. Um, and then back that up with making peace with the fact by understanding all these platforms in the end, they still enable relationships and you have to look at it that way. Um, I think that's going to put you forward and then I'm going to get you, allow you to talk again. But the last thing I want to say is, um, I was at a mastermind last year with a bunch of people who are way more successful than I am way, way more, make much more revenue, have bigger teams, have moved faster. And I asked them, how do you choose partnerships or how do you choose business ideas? Which ones do you know to move forward with? And they said two things. They said they choose partnerships with people that have had successful partnerships in the past, right? So that have a good track record. And then secondly, they choose business ideas based on those which have traction. So for example, with the SEO business, I've always had traction ever since, you know, I became a content writer and then, you know, an SEO and account manager and a business partner and then started my own business. It was the universe always opened doors for me in the SEO business. I called the company Flow SEO and I literally did not set any financial goals last year because I just wanted to get a feel for it, see and put it out there. And it was like my best year ever, ever, because I have traction with this and it's really like opportunities are unfolding all the time. But it wasn't like that with the cups and it wasn't like that with the waste bag, et cetera. So I think going where you have traction, going where you have positive feedback, that's also something to consider. And last but not least, SEO and podcast is a tricky game. I think it might be more podcasts and social media. SEO for podcasts is kind of weird, to be honest. <laughs> no, everything you said was just pure gold. Thank you for that. And what you said that really stuck out with me for me was like, you have to gain the knowledge of the subject, for example, SEO marketing, before you can apply your intuition to it. And um, yeah, I think that really rang home and makes sense to me and where I'm at. Like I just have to surrender to it, learn as much as I can, and then navigate it intuitively. And choose your battles. You obviously seem to like podcasting and you, you seem to be able to, for people to open up and share and relax, which is a great skill. So podcast is a good channel for you, but I would assume that 
maybe video or Instagram, maybe something that comes easier to, to you as well. Like not everything has to be SEO or writing content. It's not the only way. So, or if you feel creative and, you know, you make, you know, good images, then maybe you're better off going Instagram and Pinterest or something like that. I think it's also choosing your battles and play to your strength. And then, yeah, I mean, you got to study the Instagram algorithm a bit because otherwise, you know, it's just so much harder. Um, but I think if you choose a medium where you're naturally good at and where people start following you and they appreciate you, and then you back that up with a solid like strategy and data and understanding the algorithm, then you can go really, really far. So you're saying like taking the podcast onto YouTube, giving Instagram a little bit more of my time um, is going to help build the backlinks necessary to drive me forward within the algorithms that people can find me in? Well, uh, now you said backlinks. Backlinks is a very Google SEO term. Okay. But basically, all so wh what you want, you don't want Google rankings. You don't want visitors on your website. You want to reach people and you want to show people that they can have a more beautiful life and that they can do something different. So that's the real result. So what matters to you is that you reach people. Um, and this, this in theory, can be anywhere. It can be on YouTube, can be on Instagram, can be on Facebook, can be on Google. Um so that's the first thing to realize. And then maybe you're just more drawn to some channels. So for example, as an SEO, it really should be on Twitter. A lot of SEO debate is hap happening on Twitter, but I just, I don't feel drawn to it. I just, just don't want to. So I'm not there. Uh, on the other hand, I really enjoy LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm LinkedIn quite a bit. So I also, you know, I, I respect that. Um, and I know that both of them make sense. Both of them are professional networks. So, you know, out of the platforms that do make sense, I think choose the one that you're drawn to and that's easier for you and that you have better vibration and more joy when creating the content. And then the other thing is what you said, backlinks. Um, so this is maybe like a little like marketing education. Backlinks are Google's way of determining authority because they basically, they assess content and then they say, okay, the more people link to it, the more relevant this is, the more authoritative this is. And this is what set Google apart from like Yahoo and Bing and the other search engines um, in the beginning. But if you think about it, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, they kind of work the same. So the more likes and comments you have on Facebook, the better you rank, the more engagement and views um, and, and watch time, longer watch time you have on YouTube, the better you can rank. Um, so that metrics of engaging the audience and getting them to follow you, that is something that's the same across platforms. Even on Amazon, the, the number one result on Amazon is the product that is bought the most, right? So it's always this, whatever it's inherent to the platform, but that metric of engagement is what's helping you to rank. Um, so if you then, you know, find a channel that makes sense, like, obviously, I don't know if you're targeting 70 year old men they're probably not on instagram right um so that's you have to consider if the channel makes somewhat sense for your audience but i think with podcasts and this more mindset lifestyle -y topics social media can be great and youtube can be great and we know this because it also works for other people um and then if you feel drawn to maybe doing more video and audio content more drawn than writing then i would play to that strength yeah wow this has been so enlightening thank you so much um <laughs> To switch gears a little bit, are you supported by your family and your decisions? Like, have they always been on board with you choosing to live this digital nomad life? Or has that ever come up as a, you know, like, Viola, you're not living your life the way we expected? I think today my parents are very proud. Um, I think I was more a misfit, reject, and black sheep 
uh, as a teenager in my early 20s. Like I was, I was like pretty like depressed and gaming a lot and didn't really advance in my study and then once got kicked out of my math degree and then started economics after that. So I think that was a time that was really stressful for my parents. And I don't think they were, necess- I mean, they were not giving me shit about it, but I think they were really worried for me. Um, and I think that was a time where they were really worried for me. And then I got the job, you know, I g- g- got a good boyfriend, got a job. And I think they were kind of like, oh, thank God, you know, the, 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 the girl is, you know, on the right path. And then a year later, basically, I said like, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, give all of this up and start traveling. So I think that was scary for them. Like they never said no or objected to that. But the, I think that was scary for them. And um but what I can see now is, you know, my mom follows me on Instagram. I, I send all my talks and videos to my family. And I think now they're really proud and excited and they like showing the stuff, you know, to their friends and other family members. And I think what changed, though, is that they can see that I'm happy now. And I think before they could see and uh, could see that I was really unhappy and that I was really depressed and lost. And I think that scared them and that was hard for them. And then maybe they wanted to give advice or tell me what to do. But at the time, I obviously totally did not like this. And I just thought, like, stop giving me advice, you know. But the way I look at it now is I think they were scared and this is why they're giving me advice. And, and the happier I have become, you know, the less good advice I get and they just, you know, share experiences with me and they're interested in the stuff that I do and they watch my videos and they watch my talks and all this stuff. And I I think now they generally enjoy it. That's rad. Congratulations. I had Johnny FD on who talked about his parents, like never really giving him credit for his lifestyle. You know, he's a dive master in Thailand for a long time and everyone's kind of wrote him off. And then he started finally like doing the digital nomad thing, making money on, uh, I think, Amazon FBA as well and started crushing it. And then all of a sudden everyone steps in and is like, Oh, we knew you could do it. And he's just like, bullshit. You never gave me any like credit for anything I was doing until I finally made it. And that's come up a quite a bit actually, where people get the sense that like their families aren't really on board with what they're doing until they finally make it. And then everyone steps in and says like, Oh, I knew you could do it. I, I just, I knew the whole time you were going to be successful. Well, I mean, there's that too, right? I mean, look, there's like there's an interesting article on the Tropical MBA, which is called the one the the first one thousand days of entrepreneurship, and it basically the first year is basically you're messing around, you don't know what you're doing, you're depressed, nothing's working, everyone wants you to go back to a real job, and everyone thinks you lost your mind. So that definitely happened. Um, that everyone thought I lost my mind, um, and. Okay, so this might sound weird, but my feeling is more, I have some really good friends and I have really good family that generally caring about me and I know that. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think people cared that much. Like what kind of job I have, like I think about my business all day, every day, from morning to night and all of the time. But like my friends that have regular jobs, they're not going to ask me how my revenue went or whether I hired or fired someone. And I think maybe it's not a logical question for them to ask or they don't understand how important this is to me or how much I think about this. But I, and I mean this neutral, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't think people care that much about the business or job that I have. And they just see, you know, I'm living in Berlin, I'm here, I have a business and I'm doing some stuff. But I have more the feeling they're like, yep, it's okay. Like I, I don't, I, I don't have the feeling that they're emotionally that shaken up 
by it anymore. But obviously this also came like the first year or two. Yeah, it was different. Um, You've built this all on your own, right? I mean, this is your baby. You started it and built it on all on your own. Um, well, so I worked with a business partner for two years and we basically um, co-run an agency. And then, yeah, Flow SEO is my own baby that I started. Um, now it's almost two years ago. Yeah. How long did it take for you to like become financially viable? <laughs> so 2015 uh, was a really bad year and lost money and, you know, had depth. Um, then 2016 was kind of okay. And then 2018 was the first year I made more money than in my previous job. So pretty much the three years that I mentioned before. Yeah. You've alluded to, you said it a few times, you know, your parents seeing you depressed and now that they see that you're really happy. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I know there's people, including myself, who have struggled with depression in the past. And th th what I found happiness is when I started taking full responsibility for my life. Um, how do you feel about that and where you're at now with, I don't know, were you depressed in the past and, and where you're at now? Is it just like overrun with joy every day? <laughs> well, no, I don't think it's overrun with joy every day, but, um, you know, I feel good, you know, like life is good and I'm generally happy with the things that I do and the friends that I have. And, the, you know, I've, I'm in a very good state and it's so hard to, to say kind of like e even about myself, but I want to say probably between the age of 15 and 25, I was stuck in a very deep existential crisis. And I was, I also, I started drinking alcohol way, way too early and I was partying a lot and drinking a lot and that wasn't good, like for my mental state. And then the typical kind of like teenage love, you know, no drama and trauma. And then I just felt like really unlovable and lonely for a long time in my life. Um, and I mean, that was a big part of kind of like my despair. And then I also, I think I was always smart. Um, I don't know, it's like a bad thing to say, but I had really trouble executing stuff. Like I, the gap and this is the existential crisis, right? The gap between my mind and the godhood mind and the endless ability of creation and then how my everyday life looked like, basically, you know, got kicked out of my studies, uh, hung over a lot, like very unhappy. It was just so big. And I did not understand how I can bridge the gap between my dreams and my everyday reality. And for me, what very much drove me in 2015, 16, 17 was really the concept of discipline. And uh, now I'm kind of letting go of discipline a little bit more towards flow. Um, but at the time, it was crucial. For, it's basically a question of integrity. I needed to learn to trust my own word. I needed to understand that if I you know, want to do something or if I set a goal that I actually need to do it. And I actually like, there's a book called Zen Habits, and they really talk about how you need to set habits like extremely low in the beginning so that you can actually um, achieve them. And then I also really needed to learn that motivation is a result and not the starting point and that you have to start even if you feel bad, especially if you feel bad and especially if you don't want to and and that the joy comes from the doing and that the motivation and inspiration comes in the process. And I mean, that's a very short, like two minute summary of something, you know, that has been a 20 year process for me. Um, but that's what I would say about that. No. Yeah. Articulate. Thank you for that. And being so transparent. Cause I know 
like I said, there's people out there, including myself, who who struggle with this at times, and and fi- figuring out how to bring yourself back out of it, I think, is where people get lost, you know, because they don't necessarily know like the steps to take to, like you just pointed out, like it's actually the process that brings you out of it rather than trying to think your way through it. It's my biggest fear. And my biggest fear is being depressed and not finding the way out. So, so when I feel sad and when I feel anxious now, it really scares me. And, and I, I, yeah. So I, I, that pain and that heaviness, yeah, I can totally relate with that. And that's something that, yeah, when I, I now have to, when I have a bad day, I also like, then I'm still fine. You know, it's like a bad day. But if I have like a series of bad days, then my mind starts going like, oh my God, am I going to be stuck there again? Am I going back there? And then I get really, really scared. And this is when I need to tell myself like, look, it's okay, you know, to feel bad from time to time or not be productive and not do things. It's okay. But on the other hand, these are the days, you know, once, maybe two days, you haven't been doing anything. It's time to do a little something. And whether that's, you know, taking a shower and getting dressed or cooking something or doing that one tiny task of your task list that you feel is manageable and ignoring 50 others, but you got to start doing something um, and then this is kind of like the only, the only recipe that so far has worked for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good recipe. You said something earlier that's completely off this subject that I was curious about. You said you were a gamer when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. Like you I was video games and you played them. Yeah. I mean, I, I played computer games. I mean, I, I was still quite girly. So I started hanging out in like chat rooms. I don't know when I was like 11 or 12. So there's always a lot in like chat rooms and online communities, um, and then I played The Sims and Age of Empires um, and that kind of stuff a really long time. I I never had a TV, still don't have, but my parents still make fun of me when they gave me my first computer for Christmas. I gave it a kiss and we had a very intense relationship <laughs> for many, many years. Yeah. Do you have any other hobbies that we could learn about? It, actually, I'm consciously don't install any games on my computer anymore because I feel like I might be sucked into it again. So I think now my hobbies, I try to do off-screen stuff. So nothing particularly too exciting. I, I like I like musing a lot, and I go to a lot of like clubs and festivals, and I just like meeting friends and being outside. I do yoga. I do jump into ice bath and, you know, meditate and, you know, research flow in altered states of consciousness. Um, but the amount of hours I spent gaming as a teenager, I don't think I like business is my new gaming. Like the, the hobby that replaced gaming is business. <laughs> nice. If you could um, travel anywhere right now, did you have a place in mind? Are you getting itchy feet or are you pretty content? In I, you know what I would love if, if everything wasn't canceled, I would love to be at the festival lightning in a bottle this weekend. And then I was really looking forward to going to the U S in August. And, um, yeah, these are the two trips that my heart is a little bit, bit broken that they can't happen in, in 2020. What's lightning in a bottle? Uh, it's a music festival. It's kind of like a weird, it's like a yoga techno hippie music festival. Um, and they, they have an online version running this weekend and I just shared the post on Instagram. That's why it's on the top of my head, uh, top of my mind. I would, I would love to be there this weekend, but yeah, it's not happening. It, it, no, it's actually, it's somewhere in the U S California probably. Um, yeah. 
Oh, That's where yeah. I would like to be. I would like to be at a party barefoot outside and dancing. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's been so cool getting to know you and hearing your story. Um, if you could talk to one audience member who's listened to this and been inspired to maybe start that new online business or take that first trip, could you maybe give them some more words of encouragement to get them out there and actually do it? Hmm. Good question. You know, the thing is, Ultimately, all of this, I think, is kind of like it's 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 the lean startup. It's build, measure, learn, and I think every part of that is crucial. Like build is like start something, put something out there. Um, I'm not a big fan of you know you have to be embarrassed to ship it. Otherwise, you know you're being an over perfectionist. Like do something that is good. Do something that you're comfortable with. Like no matter what channel that is, whether you like blogging or video or Instagram, start putting something up and 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 kind of like see what happens and. It took me a long time to realize, but putting yourself out there actually means that you start attracting the people. Like, for example, I always share music on my Instagram, and I think most people don't listen to it or, you know, ignore it. But then the people who do, you know, they're my people, and they're the people that I'm excited about and that I have an interesting hobby to share with. And this is also like Flow SEO. You know, I put mindful marketing, I put holistic SEO. Actually, in my trailer, I have a speaking trailer. There's a section in it where I tell the audience to breathe in a yogic way. And it's it's a sorting and filtering and sorting and filtering. And I know it's kind of like awkward. Mm, I'm I'm an introvert as well, and that's an entire other topic on why I chose to become a public speaker and all this stuff. But and what you will realize is the more you put yourself out or out there and the the quote unquote stricter you are and you're sorting and filtering, all of a sudden the right people start arriving at your doorstep. And whether that's your customers or your clients or your friends or your community, um, that's the path. And then ultimately I also started helping pretty much all of my friends and all the people you know, for free and giving advice. And I still do that. And, as, and, and just, you know, share your knowledge, share the stuff that you're good at. And for some reason, somehow at some point, comically, it works out. Like maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but being helpful, sharing what you stand for, it's going to pay off eventually. That's the experience that I've, I, I have made. That's great advice. Why don't you tell the audience where they can find you? Well, uh, yeah, so you can find me at flow-seo.com, but I have to warn you, it's a website about SEO. So if you want to chat about with me personally, actually, you're best finding me on LinkedIn, Viola Eva. Awesome, Viola. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate you. It was a very inspiring conversation. I'm so glad that I was on today. Thank you so much. Awesome, Viola. Thank you so much for your time. Like I said in the intro, just really struck home for me. A lot of the stuff you said, I wrote down tons of notes as I re-listened to your episode. Thank you also for taking the time to meet with me after our call and just going through the ins and outs of where I'm at with Misfits and Rejects and what I've been doing to generate more listeners. All that information you gave me was super valuable and I appreciate you for it. Remember, if you're a first-time listener, please hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this on. If you'd like to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that via Patreon, heading on over to patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects. Any monthly donation is appreciated. Nothing is expected. Or if you want to represent by wearing a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, you can head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. It's this really awesome, very comfortable tri-blend of material, so it feels really light and comfortable on your skin. I can ship them anywhere in the world, so if 
if you find yourself in Germany, Australia, Thailand, wherever you may be in this world, I can easily ship you a shirt. So feel free to head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick one up. And with that said, get ready for next week's episode, Monday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful and I'll see you then. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.